Welcome to the Stream Roots Podcast, where you'll learn how God's unchanging truth can be applied in our ever-changing world. Through conversations with pastors and ministry leaders, you'll be encouraged, equipped, and challenged in your walk with Christ. Stream Roots is designed for pastors and leaders in the church, but is helpful for all people. And now your host, Pastor Mark Pospisil. So glad to have you join us for this episode on understanding the background and culture of the Bible. With me is my friend and the producer of Stream Roots, the John Blosser. John, how's it going? It's going, man. How are you? I'm doing great. It's good to see you. You too, buddy. What's happening with you? <sighs> Not a whole lot. Just uh, just gearing up for the Advent season and yes. all of that. Yep. Christmas is right around the corner. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Well, today we have a special guest for this episode, Dr. John Holmes. He's a graduate of Grace University and Dallas Theological Seminary. He holds a PhD from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. He has served for 25 years in various roles at Grace University, including being the interim president. John, welcome to the show. Can you share a little bit about your family and ministry with us? Yeah, you bet. Um, I'm married, happily married, and I uh, have two adult sons. They're both married. They both live in town here in Omaha, Nebraska, and it's great to be able to be close to them. And um, ministry-wise, yeah, I was with Grace University for 25 years and then transitioned into a local church ministry. So I'm a lead pastor at a church here in town, Grace Life Bible Church. Awesome. Been there for about four years, two years lead pastor, loving it. Really good. <laughs> nice. Very good. Yeah, that's awesome. So was it hard moving from the school into being a local church pastor? Uh, that's interesting that you would ask that. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was hard, but it was it was different. I mean, teaching, you know, uh, for an hour and a half, multiple times a week, all day, is really different than showing up on church and you get thirty or forty minutes. And so, um, just a quick story on that: I was struggling in going from teaching to preaching, and um, I'm I'm a heavily visual guy. So, like when I teach Joshua, I have over seven hundred PowerPoint slides, <laughs> and so wow. I was I was I was preaching. And at the end of the service, I met a guy in the back of the church who's a retired pastor, I found out. And uh, I said, well, what do you do? He says, well, I mentor pastors all over the Midwest in the exegetical method. And I'm like, well, dude, you got to talk to me then on Monday. because so, so for over a year, I would preach on Sunday. I'd meet with him on Monday, and he would gently shred me and rebuild me. And um, it was all the stuff that I heard in seminary, but in my, my Bible academic career, I, I never, I just didn't use those tools. And so he helped me. Um, God was gracious and said, here's a guy, spend some time with him. So that was good. So yeah, it was it was a little, I wouldn't say hard, but just challenging. And I've been doing some seminars and read a bunch of books and meeting with some other pastors locally, and it's, it's been really fun. Awesome. All right, well, let's jump into our discussion. We're going to read from the book of 2 Timothy, verse 2.15, and this is what God's Word says. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of God truth. The Lord has called us to present himself, present ourselves to him as one approved to handle his word well and rightly. This takes time to study and understand his word, then having the ability not only to teach it, uh, not only to teach, but to teach to others how to understand it rightly. The Lord has given us the Holy Spirit and also many resources to do this endeavor. One aspect that is important to understanding the Bible is grasping the cultural context and background. Far too many times we impose our current cultural understandings upon the scriptures. We risk misunderstanding and also misapplying God's word. This is why we invited Dr. John Holmes to join us for this discussion of understanding the Bible background better. 
So Dr. Holmes, why is it important to understand the background and culture in which the Bible was written? Um, because as you read, the, the story is changing, the place may be changing. So if you start in Genesis and you read all the way through Revelation, you move through at least 12 dominant cultures behind the scenes. Sometimes there's an abrupt cultural shift, like when Assyria takes over or Babylon. Um, other times, you know, Phoenicia, Philistine, they kind of they kind of blur in the stories, and we don't always understand or take the time to think about, well, wait a minute. So if my place in the narrative moved, I probably shifted culture. And if I shifted culture, then I probably shifted the way they think about Deity, gods, sex, religion, family, um, work, everything is different. But this, the text doesn't warn you about that, and so it can get kind of confusing. So um, the, the key question, and I love that verse you read about handling accurately the word of truth. Part of handling accurately the word of truth is, is to pay attention to the cultural setting. And so um, the question, what did the original odd author want his or her audience to do or think differently as a result of reading that text. So it's all about them and what their goal was. And we're looking in on it. You know, Scripture was written for us, but not to us. It's written yeah. to Israel or Judah or the Romans, the church at Rome or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I would say it's important because there's changes happening beneath the words on the page in terms of geography and culture. Okay, nice. So how can we help people to grasp these backgrounds without needing a master's in theology? Yeah, uh, I get that a lot with this because when I teach this, it's something that uh, you don't run into often in Sunday school. Yeah. And so um, it, it can be – it's it's a weird comb combination of intimidation and exciting. Like when I taught this college, students loved it because it's, it's new stuff and it helps you understand – Scripture, but sadly, to answer your question, sadly, you can get a master's degree in theology and still not not walk out asking the right questions. That's and true. so, um, often we will approach the text of Scripture with the goal of finding an answer to our cultural question that the text isn't answering. Uh, maybe we want a um, we have a political axe to grind, and we're looking for a verse, and and so. Um, so to answer your question, how can we do that without a master's degree? I've got, I've got a couple encouraging comments. Uh, one, we need to read carefully, kind of slow down and really observe what's going on. Read thoughtfully as though you were there. Um, when the text is moving from place to place, get a map out and, and um, look at how far that is. Uh, um, but really, geography is a big clue. So in one of my Bibles, I have highlighted every geographical place with the color of pink, in that Bible, the only pink is the geography. So I, I thumbed through page after page. It was helpful as I'm teaching because I'm flipping a page. Maybe a student had a question. I'd go to the page. I, I'd see, oh, you know, Capernaum. And that tells me right away, okay, this is a, a pharisaical hotspot, and I know what's going on in that place. Anyway, so pay attention to, uh, to place. Uh, that's good. But the other, the other encouraging thing is if you're married, you're already doing half the work. And I say that because um, – you, you married somebody, and they they probably have a different background, different culture. Um, even, you know, I, I married a, uh, my wife is from a farm in Minnesota. I didn't grow up on a farm. So, I mean, we speak English and everything, but I mean, it's just, there's differences, right? And so, um, 
she's different. Her background is different, you know, values, habits, hobbies. And so when I'm communicating to her, I need to take that into consideration because if I communicate to her and I ignore that background and just keep talking to her like I want to or I think I, I should, uh, she's not going to get my point. I'm not going to communicate. And so um, it's, it's if you've ever been overseas and you've engaged in cross-cultural context, you, you understand what I'm talking about. And uh, to a smaller extent, that happens in marriage and to a big extent happens on every page in Scripture. We just have to have to pay attention. All right. Can you give some examples of how this works in the Bible? Yeah, um, there's a lot of examples. And mm-hmm. so that's I had a whole course. And it's all we did is examples of this stuff. But um, there's, um, I guess, one example would be um, as you're reading, um, pay attention to history, ask good history questions. Like, has there been a recent war, a recent famine, uh, a recent... Um, earthquake. You know, Amos says he wrote two years before the earthquake. And that's great. He doesn't give us a date. They didn't have dates back then because Christ hadn't been born. But anyway, they, uh, they, they dated things back then by how many years it was before or after a certain king's reign or a major event that everybody knew. So Amos wrote two years before the earthquake, probably around 760 BC. But, but in his context, that was a fixing point. Uh, if you're, if you're, around the date of 586 B.C. and the temple's destruction. That's obviously a huge pivotal point for the nation of Israel, their identity, and a lot of questions they ask. Um, Lamentation says, because of the destruction of my people. So you have to like, well, why are they destroyed? Is it a plague? Um, is, is it God's judgment or, or was it Babylon? So you just want to slow down and ask questions, a lot of questions about that. For instance, in our own culture, 2022, um, I love the movies Back to the Future, Yes. And um, I saw a T-shirt back in um, 2020, you know, or t- COVID. And it, the, the T-shirt said, um, it showed Doc Marty and the DeLorean. It said, Marty, whatever you do, never go back to, to 2022. You know? <laughs> Just because we get that because it's like, oh, yeah, we understand. But, you know, 100 years from now, people are like, what's up with that? Right. So yeah. there's there's common knowledge in, in the culture that we have to tap into because it's not our world. We don't know their world. They know their world. That's good. Got it. Um, so anything else like that really would be huge. Uh, I think that for me, like the prodigal son, understanding the parable of the prodigal sons uh, in Luke 15 was huge because the culture was honor an honor shame culture. And, uh, mm-hmm. and what Jesus gives there was like such a, a thing that was so shameful what the youngest son did, but it showed the incredible grace of God in the midst of that honor shame culture. When you understand that context, it really opens your eyes to it. Uh, what what about like such as like historical historically like things like bride price or uh, even the structure of like Matthew? You know, sometimes people talk about like how Matthew structured not sequentially. Like, can you can you give some insight into that? Yeah, like um, there are some, and, and we have we have a lot of biblical resources available to us, and that's wonderful, but sometimes they get things mixed up. Um, mm-hmm. Like Bride Price and the Dowry, they're completely different, but a lot of resources, study Bibles will conflate the two and, and blur them. So the Bride Price in the ancient Near East, Old Testament, Abraham era, um, it was given by the groom to the bride's father. And, and it looks, from our perspective, like he's buying her, you know, for 20 camels or something. That's not at all how they thought about it. So uh, the daughter is leaving the fa- the father's home. She's no longer going to be able to make sandals or garden or candles. And so the, the bride price is compensation for his loss. Now, meanwhile, um, he has that money 
the father has that money and he's supposed to save it and turn around and use some of that money to give a dowry back to the couple, specifically the his daughter, should anything happen to the husband so she doesn't have to sell herself into slavery. So you can see this in Genesis 30, 31, 14. Um, so it says, Rachel and Leah said, do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and also entirely consumed our bride price. So he was supposed to save that money in case something happened so that the women wouldn't be destitute. Well, now something did happen, and they're, they're rightly frustrated because um, it's all been spent. So little things like that, like I guess the bottom line for the listeners is, you know, look at several different um, biblical dictionaries or something like that. There's a lot of good resources online, but just read, read a few different resources. Yeah, what about like such, such as like the uh, linguistically, like understanding the structure of Matthew? Because that's a big one that even yeah, some kind of skeptics will talk about. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's kind of a fun one. Um, you know, Matthew, the genealogies, the chapter one, um, it says the generations from Abraham to David were 14, David to Babylon 14, um, and Babylon to Christ 14. Oh. And so, so Matthew is obviously doing some work here trying to present three groups of 14. Um, what's the big deal there? Well, David is the 14th one in the list. And if you take the, the, the numerical value of the Hebrew consonants, remember in Hebrew, there's no vowels. So just D V D for David, that adds up to 14. And so in the Jewish world, this is really different from our world. And some people just don't, uh, struggle with this because we're downstream of the scientific revolution and, and everything has to be exact and precise. Um, but the, the genealogy is it's a tool it's a very flexible tool to the first century writers they would put people in take people out just to make a point and that's what's going on here he skips at least five people it's not an accurate list so we're looking at that like oh what, what's going on well the jewish and people in the first century would read this they know the people he's skipping and they know oh three groups of 14 and they would go well hmm what's matthew getting at oh david 14 He's saying that this Messiah is from the line of David, and they'd be good with that. So we have to understand even their own cultural habits and expectations from literature because they're very different from ours. Got it. All right. Many times it seems that we impose our own cultural understanding upon the Bible. How can we guard against this, especially with our culture that's radically changing? Yeah, I think one thing that, um, again— paying attention to the culture that you're in, asking a lot of good questions, uh, observing the place that, that you're, you're in. Um, I guess it would come with just a lot of um, questioning. How do we know that? What's going on here? Challenging our own assumptions, all right? And then um, there are some good, good resources. I just had... Um, in church, I was meeting with, uh, talking to a, a lady who teaches second grade, and, and I... She said that they use this book called Growing Up Where Jesus Lived. She teaches second grade, and she's this is a cultural background, little book for second graders. And so she's exposing them to this is a different way that they, that they, uh, that they lived back then. Growing Up Where Jesus Lived? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar yeah. with that one. <laughs> yeah, Growing Up Where Jesus Lived. Well, it's for second graders, so maybe that's good. <laughs> okay. It's a Becca book, I guess, anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so let me ask you a question, John, just a little maybe uh, for this topic. But but we have the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, do you think we can overemphasize the understanding the background too much where sometimes we miss the plain meaning of the text? You know, what would you say to that that question? Yeah, I there's a continuum there. I mean, I, I met a guy once in, in Texas that said, um, we don't need teachers. We don't need pastors because we all have the Holy Spirit. I'm like, well, I think that's probably an extreme. Um, so, yeah, you know, we can move around on, on that. Um, the, the point of the point of the message is not the culture. The, the culture is just the, the stage where it happens. And yeah. so we, we want to understand that we don't we don't focus on that, but we understand that. So we get the real point. And the Holy Spirit is obviously helping us apply that and interpret that um, or interpret and apply. And so um, it's just another tool, right? Understanding the cultural background is one of many tools we have to pay attention to. And maybe sometimes you're in a passage, it's pretty straightforward. You're asking all these questions and, and you get nothing. Okay. But it's just a good discipline to ask the questions. Other places you ask these questions and it just it just turns 3D color and you're like, wow, so much is going on here. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first time I was in Bible college and did like an Old Testament history. I loved it because there was so much insight. It was like, oh man, I never thought that way. I never saw it that way. Yeah. It helps you understand the context which it, was, which it was written. You know, the Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. So good. Okay, John, anything else you'd like to add? Well, yeah, there um, in the Old Testament, it's interesting that um, they thought that gods were geographically bound. So it was normal for them as you move from one nation to another, just to assume you're in the realm of a completely different God. And so this factors into the story of Israel because they they have uh, 400 years in Egypt. And so obviously the Egyptian gods are powerful there. And then we have um, not one plague, not two, but ten, and each of the ten plagues is directed at different Egyptian gods. It says very clearly in Numbers that the Lord executed judgment on the Egyptian gods in the Exodus. And so that's his point. His point wasn't just to get them out. His point is to show them, I'm more powerful than any god in Egypt you will experience, and by extension, any god you will encounter on your way to Canaan. So when they leave Egypt, they, they go to Canaan. It was natural and normal for them to simply say, hey, um, now, the gods of Egypt are back there, and our, our god, Yahweh, he was the god of the desert. Who's the god here in Canaan? And everyone's going to tell them it's Baal. And so they cross the River Jordan, and they start to worship Baal, because that was the cultural normal thing to do, to assume that gods are geographically bound. You can see this if you read carefully, like I'm talking about, um, and pay attention to place in the story of Balaam and Balak. Every time Balak the king pays Balaam the prophet to prophesy, it doesn't work. And what does the king do? He takes them to a different high place. Now, high places were associated with different deities. And so the king is looking for a god that is powerful enough to uh, uh, overthrow and challenge uh, Israel's god. So just observing little things like that, you can start to, to see, okay, this is what's going on in the text. And and and, and there's a understanding that gods are geographically bound. Really, there's so many places where that just really okay, I understand now what, what, what's going on. So just little stuff like that. Um, and even, here's another one. Um, and I, I, tease, I tease people with, uh, next time you're in a Sunday school class, you know, raise your hand and, and ask this question, and you will get deer in the headlights, guaranteed. The question is this. How, how does topography impact the narrative? 
okay, how does geology or topography impact the narrative? And you're like, what? It's like, well, I went to Israel uh, and studied there a while ago. And once you're there, you just start to see things differently. But here's a classic example. Moses, in Exodus 17, God tells him, hey, you're thirsty, your people are thirsty, hit a rock, you get water. Well, obviously, that's a miracle. Normally, you don't hit a rock to get water. Okay, good. Story moves on, and now we're in Numbers 20, different place, geographically separate. So, since we're in a different place, we have to think, well, where are we? What is the the soil composition like here? And I know this is this is out there, but... Um, it is it is different. In Exodus 20, it's hard granite. In number I'm sorry, Exodus 17, Numbers 20, it's sandstone on top of on top of um hard limestone. And when it would rain, the, the water would go through the limestone, sorry, the this chalk layer, hit the limestone and flow out at the side point of a hill, and it would because it's so arid, it would form, it's called an effusion point, like a, a crusty mineral deposit. And to this day, Bedouin shepherds know how to spot these in the hills, like a hill with a, with a crust. They take their staff and they hit it, and that opens up and releases a little bit of built-up water behind that, and you can feed your flocks. So Moses has been a shepherd. He knows this. And so what's going on there in Numbers 20 is like, Lord, I've got this. I know how to do this. I don't need to obey you. I'm going to hit the rock. And um, instead of speaking to it, and he doesn't anger and all this, but little stuff like that is interesting because, again, where you are matters. It matters to yeah. us, and it matters to them. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, John, thank you for your time and insight. Any resource you, resources you could highlight? Um, you know, what was the one from the second graders uh, growing up where Jesus did? Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that you would highlight? There's, there is another one. There's There's sorry to say it, but there's one book that's, that's my go-to. It's, it's big. It's not a book you read. It's a book you look stuff up in. It's, it's called Nelson's, it's a long title, New Illustrated Bible Manners and Customs. And that starts in Genesis, and it goes all the way to Revelation. Each of the 12 cultures, it goes through 10 different categories. And so it's a great resource. Uh, I've got it on Kindle. You can look it up stuff in church and, and find stuff really quick. Uh, but that's my textbook I used when I taught this in college. And so um, I, I would really recommend that one. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Uh, I want to sign off here. Stream Roots is a production of Barnabas Ministries. You can learn more at BarnabasMinistriesMI.org. BarnabasMinistriesMI.org. We release an episode every Monday morning. Stream Roots, drawing deep for the living water of God's word.